To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by PB and Joey Simple, honest and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. $35 or more is free shipping. Go to pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, everyone. Here's a great way to support this website and make money for yourself. This is Robinhood, the app that makes investing easier and offers more ways to make your money work harder. Their goal, investing in financial markets more affordable, more intuitive, and more fun, no matter how much experience you have or don't have. Keep a broker in your back pocket. Everything you need to manage your assets and all available in a single app. Set up customized news and notifications to stay on top of your assets as casually or as relentlessly as you like. Controlling the flow of info is up to you. Have access to stocks, funds, options, cash management, and cryptocurrency. Make unlimited commission-free trades in stocks, funds, and options with Robinhood Financial. The same goes for buying and selling cryptocurrencies with Robinhood Crypto and zero commission fees. Also introducing cash management. Invest, spend, and earn all through your brokerage account. Secure a spot on the waitlist and reserve your card. Here's what I want you to do. Go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate and when you click on the referral banner and securely sign up either using your Android, Apple device, or desktop, you get a share of stock value between $3 and $150 after funding your account. That's all you got to do. You get a free stock. I get a free stock. We all win. Trading terms and conditions still apply. See Robinhood.com for more information. Once again, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate, click on the Robinhood referral banner, and claim your free stock. Robinhood, it's time to do money. Stand now more than ever. You need to understand the importance of saving money. But Grandma said I could use this money to buy whatever I want. Okay, next please. Go on, Stanley. I got a $100 check from my grandma, and my dad said I need to put it in the bank so it can grow over the years. Well, that's fantastic. A really smart decision, young man. We can put that check in a money market mutual fund. Then we'll reinvest the earnings into foreign currency accounts with compounding interest, and it's gone. Uh, what? It's gone. It's all gone. What's all gone? The money in your account. It didn't do too well. It's gone. What do you mean? I, I have $100. Not anymore, you don't. Poof. Well... Well, what can I do to get back I'm my- I'm sorry, sir, but this line is for bank members only. I just opened an account. Do you have any money invested with this bank? No, you just lost it all. Then please stand aside for people who actually have money with us. Next, please. Hey! Hello, Mrs. Farnickel. How are you today? Making a deposit, are we? Great. We can just put that into your retirement account and make it go to work for you, and it's gone. What? Sorry, yeah, that's gone. Please step aside for people who actually have money with the bank. Next, please. Dad! Hey, I'm trying to teach my son the importance of savings. You already lost his money? Oh, Mr. Marsh, d don't worry. We can just transfer money from your account into a portfolio with your son. And it's gone! This line is for people who have money with the bank only. Please step aside. Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, streaming live from the Spare Parts Studio. You can find me on Instagram, at POSSarcasm, or if you want to be my friend, you can go to... You can go to Facebook.com slash Positive Sarcasm. You can follow me only on the Instagrams at Positive underscore Sarcasm. You can also hit up the new YouTube channel, Positive Sarcasm Podcast. I'm going to turn that down slightly and mute it. Uh, John Krasinski in studio this week. <laughs> um... Musician uh, and vegan told his uh, 
All around great guy. He's six foot five, so the ladies love his cock. Michael Wingate Civi is in studio. What are those initials? What what initials? Michael Wingate MWS. MWS. It's like an accounting firm. I have a lawyer's name. A what? I have a lawyer's name. Oh, you must be Jewish. Dude, I fucking ate way too much garlic this week. There's you know never that too guy, much garlic. huh? There's never too much garlic. Yeah, there is. You know that guy who's like defaming the inside of his car, and it's like it's like thirty below out in the middle of New Hampshire, and he rolls his window down. He's like, yeah, dude, that dude is up to no good. Yeah, he just blasted all over his his two door. You know what's annoying? Now that I drive um, that stupid convertible out there, well, obviously it's under covers for the winter time. But now I find it blasphemous when I see a dude driving uh, in like an old muscle car or just a muscle car in general in the wintertime, just stomping around. There's salt on there. And that's just it upsets me. It's like you couldn't go out and afford to buy another car nowadays. If you like if you have that car, you should have another car. Yeah, you should be able to have another car. Mm. I don't think you I don't think you deserve that that car if you can't afford another car i know i was borderline homeless two years ago again and i still have two cars granted one of them doesn't have power steering at the moment i am broke i'm broke as shit i'm a musician i have two really those two are never synonymous (laughs) with one another i'm a starving artist i'm tortured Uh, okay all right here's the thought do you remember your first gig or you remember at least let's go let's go hit the way back scooby-doo machine okay Right. Okay, that's how I inter- should have introduced you. Is fucking okay. Um, I have a. I also have a friend who looks like uh, DJ Khaled, but that joke's hacky. Oof. So you remember your? Do you remember like your first first gig? Like the first paid gig? Me, even before that. Yeah. Like when you almost, because I didn't. I don't know you back then, but almost like you were like the begging for change. You know, like okay, I'll set the perfect example. We'll go as far back as we possibly can before I make it annoying. Okay. Like a comic who pays to go on stage, open mic night that far back when yeah. nobody is out there. Do you remember that moment? Yeah, I was like 14. Okay. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, at a little little bar in Rochester, New Hampshire. In the upstairs, they had open mic nights. And that was like the first. I went with my with my high school best friend, and we went and played like three songs together. And that was like the first one. What are the songs you played? Oh, if you can remember, it's okay. One of them had to have been um, Tom Petty Breakdown. That was that was like a standard okay. of of the two of us way back in the day. Mm-hmm. I could not tell you the other ones. What was that feeling like? Do you remember like it's like the beginning of the Hunger Games uh, when you're just waiting for them to go out there and kill all the kids? <laughs> was favorite part was was that like did you have a similar feeling before you were go, about to go out there not expecting what was the unknown at this point you're about to go out there you know piddle on your fucking guitar in front of who knows out who knows is out there and what was in at I don't know how, what was it like at fourteen because I'm a late bloomer man I. I imagine because I can't remember. I smoked a lot of weed between fourteen and twenty six, um, so I imagine it was. I mean, like I, you get a certain excitement any time you go on stage, but like way back in the day, it's like the fear of God. You know, like it. You want so much to be liked. You're a preteen. You're you're like a teenager, and you just want people to like you. Dude, and- I'm thirty six. I'm feeling the exact same thing right now. <laughs> I don't even have. I don't even. Th- I I have an audience, but I always think like I don't have an audience. 
But I do. Like, there are actually people that listen to this and... There are? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're I from... I thought we were just talking. They're from Iran and Kosovo, That's but fun. still. I just had... I, I just released a single, um, and, like, three people in America have listened to it, but I've got, like, ten sales in Russia and Germany and Japan. Cool. I don't know why. Isn't that weird? Yeah. It's a weird... It's like, really? There? It's like when people from Texas hit me up proposing music. I'm like, really? There? The... So it was. You said it was terrifying. Oh, absolutely. I can relate to that when I was uh, doing that competitive fitness bullshit, which I'll probably end up going back to one day because I'm a shallow cunt. The <laughs> idea of all this, you're just you're out, you're behind the stage, you don't know who's out there, and you're about to whether you're bearing your freaking your 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 fake baked tan or you're bearing your your soul on a guitar or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's I would assume it's like the same shit. Just going out there, the terrifying, and then you're out there. Does it all go away? Like it's you're blinded by all of it once you go up on stage, dude. It took a lot of years to make it all go away. Um, y- there was a there was many years of like forming my identity as a musician, where you get up on stage and you're playing for people, and the nerves do not leave you. Um, but with time and a lot of experience, it becomes like a second nature kind of thing. Like I play a lot <laughs> play a lot i know you i did see um that you were just you, you always posting your fresh vibes when oh, you were yeah. when you were going to play there often i have no where do you play n- no we'll, we'll go we'll do the timeline route because i obviously can be like i'm like a fucking chasing seagulls on this podcast yeah, hey great. look so you got through your first set uh-huh what was that did you rush to get off say state you played three songs with your bros and then you bolted <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. And we were like, we were too young to even like be in the bar, but they let us be in the bar. We were we were kids, like yep. at a at a fucking bar, like a bar to be named later. Um, oh yeah, it was the one hundred and three. That it's probably not even around anymore. No, it's not. An, it's oh. not around anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got shut down for serving to underage kids. <laughs> the um, so you you got through it. You were probably kind of excited though, weren't you? Oh, absolutely, because I th- that's the biggest. What was that Seinfeld joke? The number two fear is death. Number one fear is public speaking. So the idea is that to get out there, that's that's basically everyone's biggest fear is to get out there and to put themselves in a position where they could be uh, called wrong, called racist, called shitty, called, you know, not funny, not talented. Mm-hmm. That's like the, I mean, that scares me every time I turn on the live stream or whenever I was going out there in freaking in boarding shorts or the idea that, this is going to go, like, if this goes places and I end up doing, like, a, a live podcast at some little shitty bar somewhere, that's a horrifying feel, feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, it's why it's why the internet is so popular. It's why people love Facebook because they, they don't have that fear. They can hide behind screens. It, but it's not real. I don't care if I see, like, 100 subscribers on Podcast Addict or whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's not real until you walk up on stage, you open up your laptop, and there's, like, 20, 30 people sitting there, right? Mm-hmm. It's a diff- totally different experience. Mm-hmm. After a while, you're sort of like a junkie to it, right? Because I'm coming from a completely different angle where I'm trying to gain – it's almost like I'm coming from a completely different trail. I feel like I'm taking the easy route at times because I hear what these podcast – not the podcasters, excuse me. I hear what these comics because I try to see things from through a comic's lens. Sure. Um. Who and I think the only people who can justify seeing through the same exact lens are musicians, especially uh, the acoustic ones who kind of have to do everything themselves. Yeah, it's a lot of DIY. It's you, you really got to self-produce. After your first, I guess your gig, your first gig. Mm-hmm. What did? Where did you go after that? How did at fourteen? 
where did you what did your what was your mindset at that point i wanted to be famous man i wanted to be a rock star so i like <laughs> and i was terrible don't dude do not get me wrong i was not some like guitar prodigy i'm still not very good yeah uh, <laughs> um but uh i wanted to be a rock star so i like i i joined a band and we played like high school functions and played uh private parties like people would book us for because for some reason the rest of the members of the band who are all the same age uh were actually very good so i was just kind of up there pretending and and playing rock star for a while acoustic or something or uh yeah actually for a while i played uh, i played an electric guitar and uh kept the volume off and i sang i sang i was so you britney spears the whole thing uh for like for like the first year yeah and then i and then i like picked up bass um and by uh by like the end of high school era, I was playing like piano and I was playing actual guitar with the volume up and uh, no lessons. Uh, well, I didn't. I didn't ever take formal lessons. No, um, I took like a lesson here and there with various people over the years. I think mm -hmm. I've taken like two guitar lessons, three guitar lessons in my life. So, how did you get into like the paid? How did you go from that? You know, being that kid who just kind of wandered into the, the bar that night and started playing, how did it end up becoming a paid gig? Was it just because you beca you became good, you had some notoriety when you were playing high school gigs and shit? I just wanted it. And so you just went and asked? Yeah, I just, I, I pushed for it. I made phone calls and wrote emails and pushed for it. How bad was the rejection? How bad was it, if at all? And how bad or good did you feel during that process? In Rochester, there was not a lot of um, rejection. Anything. Not no. a lot of rejection in Rochester, just because um, there's not much out there, and there certainly wasn't when I was younger. Um, so anybody that could have some kind of talent, anybody that could strum a few chords and and play a few songs and entertain like three people, they they could get a gig. So you were it was the the luck factor of they'll take whatever they could get. Yeah, absolutely lucky. Because I know around here it's there is there's a lot of uh, paying gigs and stuff. I haven't been around. I haven't been out there a lot lately. But there are a lot. It's it is. This is the land of the cover band. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah, it's kind of selling out. But it's that is how a lot of people are making money on the ground right now. So now that you, because you've been doing, I noticed it for at least about two to three years that you've been doing it solid. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been to some of the locations. There's some okay locations down there, but yeah. most of downtown seems to be like a fucking ghost town. Now, where do you? Yeah. I mean, quote me if I'm wrong, but quote me if I'm wrong. Yeah, call me, yeah, call, tell me if I'm wrong. Um, <laughs> we'll quote you either way. Let me just buy, tell me a fucking <laughs> just give me a dictionary, will you? Uh, the how so now you just you, you follow the same path. You just try to sell yourself. You go out there and you ask you guys you got spots for me. Do you how do you approach that sensitive topic of hey I'm gonna come here and strum my shit and you're gonna pay me. Well, that's the that's the issue. Is a lot of a lot of places the the pay scale hasn't changed from the seventies. Like a a band of four or five guys would go and play an hour show at a bar and get paid, you know, a hundred bucks in like nineteen seventy three, right? Or even yeah. like two three hundred bucks in the seventies. Now, a band of four or five guys will go and play a bar in two thousand twenty for a hundred dollars for three hours. Like it, they have been paying less and less over the years. To musicians because like the, the demand is kind of going down people aren't like going out to see live music anymore unless they're paying three hundred dollars to go see fucking 
at One Direction <laughs> at a stadium, you know. So that, that that's 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 I guess kind of sad, but at the same time, I guess that's how it goes. You know, it's, it's funny. You go into a comedy club; they're not paying much either. They're still paying fifteen, twenty bucks a set, yeah. and that doesn't cover that. Maybe covers your gas, maybe a two drink minimum, and the tip to the waitress. Yeah. So, how do you survive on that? Uh, how does one in general? I don't want to. I don't want to put you. I don't want to put baby in the corner here. Yeah. How does how does one if they're going to start out doing anything? Mm-hmm. Because they've only heard my spiel about it. Mm-hmm. They. I want to get somebody else's angle who is not a sarcastic asshole with a podcast. Somebody who actually has an actual talent who can play guitar <laughs> and who. No, I you am can't. a sarcastic asshole. Right. Uh, I just don't have a podcast. Right, but you can play. <laughs> you can play guitar. You can yep. work with a band, yep. and you can book gigs. How do you get? How do you encourage somebody, or at least give them the idea of? I ch- treat it. You'd have to treat it as almost. To, I told them it's like hitting the reset button. Somebody's gonna tell you no. Hit the reset button and keep moving. But mm-hmm. what do you? How do you see it? Because you've been rejected. You've gone up there for free. You felt uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And how do you cope with that? And still to this day, cope with it. It's. It's honestly. It's honestly the same way that I look at, um, like, fitness and health. Mm-hmm. Is it sounds super cliche, but it's cliche for a reason. Yeah. Because uh, it's just fucking right. Uh, it's goal oriented. You you have a goal. You work towards that goal. Um, and if you know boundaries come up, if somebody rejects you, if somebody says you're you're shitty, you can't play guitar or whatever, um, you you just keep pushing because your goal is not that person. Your goal is not that person's affection. Yeah. Or admiration, right? You're trying to lose weight, you lose five pounds, but your goal was twenty, but you've got fifteen to go. You just keep going. What are your talent goals then? Because if you're obviously if your talent goes up, somebody else is gonna recognize it and gonna wanna ask questions. And if they're gonna want to ask questions, somebody else is gonna wanna possibly book you. So what if if you have you assume that you have I assume that you have talent goals that you're trying to reach in order to get to the next level, right? Yeah. Or is there other things in the horizon that you'd rather be looking towards and maybe this is more of a back burner thing for now? Well, my my ultimate goal, uh, because I am a crazy hippie, uh, I want to live in an earthship or a sustainable tiny home off the grid and just work on the land and, and grow my own food and live with a couple of dogs and not have to deal with people so you want to move to alaska <laughs> is what you're saying no i don't want to move to alaska i want to move to like california i need the i need the ocean how the fuck are you gonna do that and pay taxes have you ever been to california Shh, i'm gonna live off the i'm gonna live in the woods don't you don't anybody. i'm gonna li- it's the gonna- only thing you can live off of cal in california is the fucking state that's it if you move to california <laughs> all right the first thing you need to do to go to california is you need to get infected with typhus and become homeless yeah that is Perfect. the only way you're going to make money in the state of California. Okay. Yeah. All right. I can do those that. are your two goals. So as long as you check those boxes, uh, you will do just fine in California. You'll eventually die of cholera. Yep. But besides that, you're fine. Cholera. Yeah. What that's was the act- last cholera death. Um, I can Google it actually. Let's look up the. <laughs> hold on. Let's look up the last cholera death. I was just in San Francisco. <laughs> believe me. Don't, Did you? you know, don't you give up on cholera? it. It's just. A, I should have. I actually went to the. I went to the travel clinics because uh, I. I was like. I'm like I asked them. I'm like, should I go to the travel clinic? The like, are you traveling to? I'm like, are you traveling to South Sudan? I'm like, no, I'm traveling to San Francisco. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're an asshole. All right, co- la- so it's Google last cholera. Uh, well, there's outbreak and there's death. So let's, let's do outbreak. death and we'll do outbreak. Okay. All right, okay. Cholera affects an, infest- an estimated 3.5 million people worldwide and causes 130,000 up to 130,000 deaths a year. 
Oh, it's still Jesus going. Jesus Christ. It's still going. Okay. Okay. Oh. I thought this was like in the going in the way of like uh, uh um No, this dodo is alive and well, bro. Oh, so, all right. 13 more rows. That's not good. I'm surprised there's one. Oh no. Uh, ooh, that that guy does uh man. It looks like Muhammad Ali with AIDS. Oh. Uh, like that. let's take a look here. <laughs> let's see. Let me backtrack here. That one didn't work. Let's go to this one. WHO. Actually, you know what? Here's the thing. On this podcast, there's only a few trusted sources that I go to. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, one from CNET. Um, okay, cholera is an acute diarrheal disease that can kill within hours of left undage untreated. Oh, why are we not studying this? Why are we not pursuing this? Where's, where's the funding for cholera research? It's got, well, I don't know. It's horrible. This has, uh, let's see. Researchers have estimated that each year there are 1.3 to 4 million cases of cholera and up to 140,000 deaths due to world due to cholera. 80% of cases can be successfully treated treated with uh, basically Gatorade. Uh, <laughs> um, provisions, sanitary, blah, blah, blah. Nobody cares. Die already. Cholera death. Okay. A global strategy on cholera control with a target to reduce cholera deaths by 90% was launched in 2017. Okay. History during the 19th century. Cholera strains. I'm looking for prevention and control, surveillance, treatment. Come on. Give me the deaths already. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Support this podcast. How many times I've yelled that? <laughs> I know. Eh, let's see. Eh, bah, 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 bah. More on this. Okay. You know what? WHO, you can kiss my ass. Deaths. Tw- 2015, there was 28,000 people who died from cholera. To the, the friends and family of cholera victims, I'm sorry for my. Uh, uh, insensitive yeah and <laughs> and um, this subject. yeah and um on behalf of the friend and, and for the friends and family of those who died in cholera you probably had it coming the <laughs> let's see last cholera outbreak 1938 okay cholera broke out 27 times oh. at mecca from the 19th century to 1930 the sixth pandemic killed more than 800,000 in india uh jesus that's, that's a lot of curry. That, that the last crazy. outbreak, last outbreak in the United States was 1910 to 1911, when the steamship Mocha uh, brought infected people from Naples to New York City. That was one spicy meatball. So let's do last cholera, um, oh, no. last cholera positive. Uh, let's see, United States. Oh jeez. Uh, cholera, blah blah blah. blah. Seven caller pandemics, seventh pandemic. I don't want pandemics. That just means, oh, shit. Okay. That's not good. Cholera is rare in the United States. Annual average six cases since epidemic. Co- I can't believe we've gone this route. We went from playing guitar to uh-huh. playing heartstrings. Oh, I do have something I want to talk about. 2010. 2010, uh, Española, 23 cases caused by... T- so And all in San Francisco? N- no. No. no <laughs> can't, dude, San Francisco, they, they're still legit spraying shit off the sidewalks. It's disgusting. <laughs> Um. So yeah, cholera. Uh, tricks are for kids. That's what did true. you? Um, I had some. Also have some. Also for the kiddies listening, I have Q and A. I have some CNET articles. I wanted to go through the uh, ingredients in Impossible Food because uh, it's impossibly not healthy for you. Mm-hmm. And we're all, we may say goodbye to Neil Pert. Actually, we don't have a choice. Uh-oh. He's already dead. Um, and then we'll close up shop with what's your name again? Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Michael Wingate CV. Um, so. Yeah, what did you want to what did you want to uh, bring up? So you, you asked me uh you asked me how to survive on like paying gigs, right? Yeah. As I, as this industry is going down and down. Just now everything is going down and down because I think that the just the industry and life in general and, and what is it? Life, liberty and pursuit of 
Meaning, mm-hmm. I think everybody should be going out and finding their thing that they can profit off of. 100%. Um, I don't want to go too down, far that down that path, uh, but there is legitimate truth to that about finding your own thing because sitting in an office all day ready to blow your brains out at a moment's notice. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever... When was the last time you actually sat in an office? Um, a long time ago. Yeah. A long, 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 long time. Stay, do yourself a favor. You're better off homeless. Yeah. The idea that just... It's not worth it. And to have that, at least a pursu- at least the pursuant, pursuit of a dream is far more worth it. But how did you or how do you at least get through those? Because I'm not going to have some – I'm not going to have fucking Diana Ross come sitting here and tell her about the glitz and glamour and the cocaine. Yeah. I want to know the people going through the process of actually trying to get to that next level. And actually, this I, like to say to an audience, I live on this. I actually, this is how I pay my cell phone bill. This is how I afford my apartment. I don't have to go into work at 8 o'clock every fucking day and listen to these people bitch about their problems and their toenail infection and their fucking Medicare coverage. I, you get to be like, oh, I'm going to be playing at the at the jazz flute at 6 p.m. in front of 50 people. Cool. That's actually not that bad. Yeah. Um, well, the the trick is, and, and for all of you aspiring musicians out there listening and watching uh the trick is you don't make your money from playing out you just don't uh you make your money from attacking music from other angles you write music you record music you produce music and then you sell that music you sell it to companies for commercials you sell it to uh film uh, production companies for use in indie films Mm. um you you lease your rights to your music. That's how you make money. That's how you get residuals. That's how you get royalties. That's where let's you make d- your let's money. Let's keep going on this because I do have a question uh, regarding YouTube stuff. So mm-hmm. f- just go down that path until you hit a dead end, and then I'll jump in. Yeah, totally. Well, you use so you use your live gigs as a springboard for uh, building fan bases, right? Um, you market yourself. You sell tickets to shows. You sell merchandise at shows. You uh, the, the way of the album is gone, so you, you write singles, you produce singles, you sell them online. Um, you can go find my new single, Noah, on iTunes and Spotify and everything. Just we, can actually, uh, <laughs> we can actually – pl- I can input that at the end of this episode if you oh, want. If you cool. want me to plug it, I'll put it at the end. So I did that for Joey Clampka when he did his country music song, I oh, Love cool, My Cat. Cool, cool. So I can put that at the end of this if you want. That's fine. I was just like demonstrating a point. Uh, it's, no, we can do that. Uh, no, you, you're. I, I always, if I do have somebody in here who has stuff, they are absolutely at the end of the show more than welcome to plug their gigs, your social medias, all that shit. Oh, because cool. I do want people to find you guys because I do want you guys supported. Because it would be hypocritical of me trying to get my shit out there if I didn't allow you to get their shit out there. So uh, we'll find that song. I'll rip it, and then we'll go ahead and f- go from there. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, go keep going on that route because there are people that I need to get gigs. I need to get gigs. Maybe if you're a fucking Slipknot, but not if you are just if you're a guy out there with a guitar and a and a, and a fistful of dreams and you need to sell shit and you need to find buyers. Yeah. Well, luck. I, I have been lucky enough to and and have met enough people over the last eleven years of playing professionally that like. When I play solo, I have an agent who books me, um, so I have to worry a lot less about uh, like approaching people directly and writing emails and making phone calls about that. He takes a 15% cut of when I go 
or 10, 20. I don't, I don't know. He takes a percentage cut of when I go play a gig. So this is your like agent or publicist or whatever? I have an agent for when I when I play solo. Uh, my okay. band, we we do it all you know ourselves, which is where a lot of that work is, is in the phone, the phone calls and emails. But that's again, that's just a springboard for fans. You make all of your money through other avenues. You make merchandise. You profit off merchandise. You need to run it like a store. You need to run your band like a bar. Okay. And you so in obviously you try to you see everything you see every dollar you control of all the overhead. Well, I'm, for for myself, yeah, um, the band is more of a collaborative right. kind of thing. But yes, absolutely, you need to be your own managers and you need to be your own CEOs and CFOs and CTOs. You need to you need to run everything about your band and be all in the the minutia. And you need to attack it from every single angle because if you don't, then you're just playing covers in bars in downtown rochester new hampshire and that is not how you build a fan base and that's not how you make your money so as far as it's ne it's never just you know tuning your machine getting out there playing and then cleaning up and leaving you're there you're selling the merch you're telling people like for example i saw alan fuchs he played the small little comedy club he's standing outside when people are leaving telling he's telling people follow me on my instagram and mm -hmm. all that shit mm -hmm. so you're out there plugging you're selling merch you're out there an additional two to three hours right oh yeah yeah absolutely i mean the work the way I see it, and, and when I consult with bands, that's another way I make my money. You know, I, yeah. I teach musicians how to market themselves, and I teach venues how to market their bands. Um, so when I, when I consult and I tell people what the work is in music, I, I always ask them, I say, like, what's your job? And they say, oh, playing music, and that's, that's not your job. Well, maybe it's selling tickets. Well, that's not really your job. Your job is, is getting heads in. Your job is promoting yourself. Your job is promoting the venue. Your job is... Um, bringing your gear in, your job is taking your gear out. You get paid to bring people to the venue. You get paid to lift and haul your gear. Um, your reward is not money. Your reward is playing music. If you are at a point where you are good at your instrument, you are good at what you do, then your reward is playing. That is the fun. And it should always be looked at as the fun. It's not your job. Because if it's your job, then you don't like playing. So don't worry... Don't worry about the uh the the product. You're already good. Yes. And you already know that when you meet them. Mm -hmm. You've already seen their the quality of their music or their material or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I'll be and straight up if they're not. You know, I'll be like, if you're not ready to be doing this, like take some lessons, work on this. Here's what you can work on. Then come back. Then come back to me. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So there, you're not concerned with their product at this point. You're just trying to allow them to focus more on the notoriety. Mm -hmm. All right. You need to go out there, and this is how you need to plug it. And mm -hmm. don't. Okay. That actually makes more sense. Now, as far as the YouTube question, uh, if you are done, more closed with that thought, the YouTube thing is a huge thing because, as you know, I fucking um, – I should have kept going with that sentence because it just ended with fucking. Uh, <laughs> the idea that I have a separate playlist mm -hmm. on my YouTube channel. On my, It's private, though. You've seen my playlist. And I got like 120 videos on yeah. there. There's one playlist that nobody sees, and it's my music playlist. Okay. And I'm constantly searching. There's non-copyright music. Mm -hmm. There's remixes that don't hit the YouTube algorithm. There's obviously the copyright music that people play. Mm -hmm. And then there's like there's people like White Sands, who's a, a digital composer from Ukraine. Cool. Um, and then there's these other composers these, and these other musicians like Joe Kim Carew or DJ Quads or Andrew Apple Pie. And they start by making tracks and samples on YouTube and then it's like free. You guys can use them in your YouTube videos. And then eventually, a lot of the time, some of these guys get, they get so good at whatever material that they're putting out there, mm -hmm. they eventually do get signed or to, to soundtracks, to documentaries. Well, yeah. How would you approach, because if there's a guy who, let's say he's not good at playing guitar, 
but the guy knows how to program music. He knows how to go in here. He knows how to make the waves. Mm-hmm. And those waves sound really good. And then somebody like me picks up on those waves and uses them in a YouTube video that fits that vibe. Mm-hmm. If somebody was going to go that route, do you have thoughts about how they should control that? How much music they should release to the public? Like, go ahead, use that in your YouTube channel. It's cool. I'm going to go ahead and work on some other shit. You guys let me know what you think. Did you have an idea about how they should navigate that? Yeah, well, you have to be constantly creating. If that's if that's the route you're going to go, if you're not... It, it, you can springboard a fan base if you're a live musician by playing live shows. Mm-hmm. You can springboard a fan base as a digital musician if you're doing it entirely digitally, all through social media, all through fucking GarageBand or Ableton or whatever you use. Yeah, uh, and you and you build these sounds. You keep have to keep that thought create. too. I want to ask you about the. You, I want you to plug some programs that you recommend people use if they're going to go digi. Oh uh, yeah, okay. All right, but keep going with that thought. Um, honestly, you, you just need to be constantly creating all the time. It's it's always you need to be putting content into the ether, right? Um, if you are releasing uh, one single per month, which is pretty solid and, and takes a lot of work and, and production, but if you're doing it entirely digitally and you're doing like in the box recording, right? Um, then if you are releasing one single a month for people to buy, then you should be putting out like five songs a week. Like for uh, for p- people to work on, uh, it, it's it's not hard. It's it's not that hard because I can sit. Fuck down. Fuck you, it's not hard. <laughs> you have any idea how I literally had? That's what you do. <laughs> I literally had a stroke. The idea of actually having two podcasts a week now, as opposed to one, I literally was pissing myself as I hit went to hit record. So you gotta. So you're telling these guys if they're that good and they want to become relevant, they gotta pump. Yeah, content, content aggregation, tons and tons and tons of creation. Of now I would assume it would be. Much easier if they actually putting a. Um, I would assume that they, if they knew how to play an actual instrument, it would be much easier to get those beats out yep. into the computers. Yeah, if you're using, if you like, if what you are armed with is a MIDI keyboard and a some sort of processing software, um, some sort of like like a like a DAW program um, and a MIDI keyboard, then you can create anything in any amount of time. Okay. Because I'm, I always go back to uh, Mick Gordon, who did the last soundtrack to Doom. Yep. And I just found it so fascinating that he went all the way back to when they had the first eight bit soundtrack. If you guys don't know who Mick Gordon is or what Doom is, I just urge you go to YouTube, go check out Mick. Just look up Mick Gordon and look up his documentary, The Making of the Doom soundtrack. And then you can basically go back and you can figure out, learn about Doom, why it was so popular, where did it go from here, and who the fuck Mick Gordon is, who he's actually an Australian composer. He did Killer Instinct, he did Doom, he did Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Um, <laughs> and then he took, but he's an excellent musician, where he actually went to like Russia, found like this old beep bop 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 type machine, he turned that thing into an actual music player type of thing. He f- added it into the music, just to, you know, I'm talking like my dad. I plugged it into the fucking system and the fucking <laughs> thing didn't work. Piece of shit. So, but he made that part of the music of Doom. And then he took the actual guitar. It was like a, what is it, like a nine string, it's called a D-Gen, right? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, a yeah. A yeah, or whatever. Dijon yeah. mustard. So he took that fucking mayonnaise guitar. Mm-hmm. He put, and he took that and he plugged it into the computer and then he had it distorted like, not so much like a distortion pedal, but more like, Think like Nine Inch Nails Wish or Broken. And he created that type of noise. He digitized digitized the noise to make it sound more tech, mm, more digital. But it was, it just sounded like chaos. Yeah. It sounded like pure chaos. Mm-hmm. Well, that's Doom. 
Right. So the idea of like of ha- having a knowledge of knowing how to play instruments and then being able to implement that into a computer garage band or whatever program is going to make it far easier, right? Absolutely it is. I mean, there are, don't get me wrong, there are musicians out there, musicians out there um, that uh, are creating content, that are creating like dubstep and they're creating trap music um, that have no, no idea how to play any instruments. All right, I'm going to, I have a few in my head. Mind if I'm, I label them off? Okay. All right, we'll start with the easy one, Skrillex. Okay. Does he? No, I'm asking. I'm actually asking. I I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna I throw him out. You don't think he has? I don't know. I don't know. No, no, no. As I'm gonna ask the in in terms of does this person know how to play an instrument? I don't know. Skrillex. <laughs> I wish. Uh, Be honest. I I knew, uh, I You're mean, never gonna meet him. He looks like fucking Billy Eilish with black hair. That's true. Uh, <laughs> I think. I think he's using like computer programs. I think he's. I think he's just really smart with math and and understanding sine waves and understanding how to like. Okay, so he's all there. I think so. Yeah, um, I think he's in the box. Who's the Who's the guy? Not Vigilante, but the name of his band. I'm gonna look him up. Hold on. Um, hold on. I got him in my I got him in my thingy. Pull him up right here, real quick. The next one I want to come. Um, have you ever heard of the band called Dance of the Dead? No. That's a good one. You should look up. Dance of the Dead. It, from what I understand, it's the theme of it is like 80s synthwave. Okay, cool. So think like Charlie Sheen's The Wraith. Or Back to the Future, not so much that Back to the Future, but definitely in that sci-fi genre. Sure. But they know how to play guitar. Cool. So they have the computers in the backdrop, but like much like Cell Dweller, like Clayton, mm-hmm. they're playing guitars live. Mm-hmm. Cool. So they cool. that to me is more justified than just a keyboard warrior out on stage. Yep. I get it, but um, I I would generally say I don't know if I'd want to go see that because you're basically just going to a rave with mm-hmm. an HP laptop. Well, people can go and you're full of drugs. Well, people can say the same thing about Pink Floyd. You're fucking full of drugs when you go to a Pink Floyd concert. Well, so what would it matter if there's seven guys and three black chicks on vocals back in, uh, in the background? Right. You're fucking full of drugs. You don't know what's going on. Ah, flying pigs. You know, it's, it's the same <laughs> shit. You're just full of drugs to experience this. Mm-hmm. But don't get me The thing is, is Pink Floyd is, their music is good, drunk or sober. Their music is insane. But to go and see, I'm going to look this guy up right now. I actually have him in my, my hidden playlist. Oh, I did. Let me see here. Let me go back to my other my other channel on YouTube, Positive Sarcasm, and I'm gonna go look up the music. Um, I can't believe I can't remember this. I go through so much. I literally will just hit the like button and the add to playlist button, and I move immediately on to the next one. Yep. Uh, let's see. Let's go to music. I just know the song, but I keep forgetting the dude. It's gonna pop up right here. Who's the? Oh, Zardonic. I I don't know it. All right, he's got. If you don't know who Zardonic is, Zardonic has a. He looks like Predator on stage. He has a white. He has a white mask. He's got, and then it's crossed black in the middle, and he has his dreadlocks like Predator. Only his dreadlocks are RCA cables. Oh my god, that's really clever. Why are all Why are all these dubstep and trap artists wearing like big masks and like helmets and? I think it's because they pose a presence. Like if you noticed where Slipknot and Mushroom Head back in the late '90s came out on stage, and they only wear masks now. Now Slipknot has always done that, and that is part of their vibe. But I think to I, I think to go out there in costume like that. Number one, if you're gonna if the, if you do that once, I think you have to always do that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's I think fair. I really do. I think consistency, yeah, right. And I think the fact that Mushroom Head is still around is because they always do that. And I think, although they're not, I think music music wise, they're not. Uh, they don't hit like Slipknot does. Mm-hmm. Slipknot's always in in costume, right. though. Bands like Mudvayne, 
after their first album, abandoned the masks entirely. They right. aban- Plus, it was not really masks. It was just paint and cosmetic. It was like fucking Star Wars characters. Sure. And now, they're, I don't even think they exist anymore. Uh, but Zardonic is one of them. I've never seen him play a guitar. I don't, I've never seen him in studio. I should probably do more work on him. But I'm a, I would assume that if you know how to play the music uh, actually on an actual instrument, you'd probably, be be- you'd probably be better understanding it when you go to plug it into the computer. Oh, definitely. Like a, an understanding, a basic understanding of the concepts of like music theory. Just basic music theory will help you enormously. Um, but they can be, that can be deceiving too because like, you know who I really respect is like turntablists. Like not just DJs, like real turntablists. Yep. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. They've got their chaos pad. They've got their, their, their mixer. They've got everything running right in front of not them. Not like a strip club DJ. We're talking about actual mix master mics. Like, yes, exactly. So like I, one of my one of my closest friends in the music industry, DJ Iculus, he's a turntablist, and um, if he doesn't bring his saxophone, he's a killer saxophone player. But if he doesn't bring his saxophone on yeah. stage with him, you wouldn't know that he plays instruments because he's working on these on on these digital. They're they're not actual uh, records. It's like a whole digital setup. But he's like spinning and doing all this work and 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 doing all this like scratch work and incredible like mixing and it's beautiful to watch and really cool to like listen to. Now does that saxophone get fucked up on stage or does he is it just sort of there as a prop? No, he plays. He, so plays, he plays it. So he's like that Norwegian dude in that weird techno band. Yes. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Um. Okay. So actually, why was I thinking of Lizzo? Oh, because she her fat ass came out on stage one day in that stripper gear. She's like, bitch! And she's like, what, she got a flute? She got a fucking jazz flute, That's right? That's insane. She just pulled some Ron Burgundy shit, pulled it out of her sleeve. Uh, she pulled it out of something. Um, she so, you know, it- I do respect that, you know, she, she's, she's, uh, she, she she's an entertainer. Choices, but she's, she's got some fucking stamina, bro. Yeah. She's killing it. Fucking rice aroni stamina. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was 40 minutes. That was, a, that was 40 minutes right there. Wow. That's not bad. Yeah. So um, unless you have other thoughts on musician, you know, writing, yeah, nutrition, yeah, uh, all that other shit, we can definitely jump on some other things before we close up shop. Because oh we God. just did a solid 40 on a Sunday afternoon. That's really good. I still want to talk about Beyond the Impossible. You want to do that? I do want to talk okay. about that. Because as a vegan, I've got some thoughts that you might want to hear. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when did you tell your parents you were gay, by the way? <laughs> so uh, that was calculated. <laughs> the All right. So <laughs> I was in... I was going to gra- I was in the deli, not the deli section. I was in the meat section the other day over yep. at the store, and I was looking. I was like, "There's got to be some bison around here." Obviously, this, there was a bison in aisle six for sure. By the way, <laughs> so uh, once I did that, I went. I was looking. I found it next to it. I was looking for for some piggy, but I found there was a package of like Beyond Meat. I'm like, "All right." Let me look at the label mm-hmm. because I always have my suspicion. But like, let me just look at the label, look underneath, see it. what it's made of. Yeah, how the sausage is made. Um, I gotta tell you, I wasn't, I, I wasn't too, was not too pleased. So the idea is that if it's below a certain marker, it doesn't have to be included included necessarily in the ingredients category, including the FDA. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be in, uh, included in the uh, total percentages of caloric intake. So if okay. it reaches below a marker, it doesn't have to be included. Sure. Like, for example, when it just says natural flavors, what the fuck is natural flavors? It's not enough to, to warrant. I, yeah, I got right. you. I got you. So this was the ingredients for Beyond Meat. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them anyway. So we got water, mm-hmm. pea protein isolate, yep. uh, expeller press canola oil. This is when the shit starts going downhill. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Is you go in, if you Google, you can easily Google, is canola oil healthy for you? Now, I'll t- now before you even bother Googling it, I'm going to tell you the flat-out fucking answer. <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's no. not. Canola oil is a, is a processed vegetable oil, mm-hmm. all right, which includes things like peanut oil, 
which I will fully admit I use a drop of that in my peanut butter because it helps the blender spin up. But then again, it's fucking peanuts, bro. Come on. Uh, not you, bro, but the other bro. Bro, bro. <laughs> bro. So we'll, we'll move on from that. The royal bro. Um, because they say it's low in saturated fats. Saturated fats are actually good for you. Right. Trans fats are what it's fat, but yeah. they're banned. Next, refined coconut oil. That's basically just motor oil. It's completely fucking useless. Once it's refined and processed, it takes all the nutrients out of it. Yes. And it's basically MCT oil with even less nutrients. Mm-hmm. So basically, you're just eating KY jelly. So expeller pressed coconut canola oil, refined coconut oil, rice protein. What kind of rice protein? What quality of rice protein? We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> Natural flavors. There it is again. Love it. Cocoa butter, which I rub on my nuts. Mung bean protein. What the mm. fuck is a mung bean? Mung beans. Mung beans. Full of protein, apparently. Yeah, apparently. Methyl cellulose, potato starch, apple extract. No, Why? let the Why? let the silence let the silence sit on that one. <laughs> Apple extract. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Apple extract, salt, Great. potassium chloride. Oh, that sounds promising. Vinegar. Okay, cool. Lemon juice concentrate. Sunflower lecithin. Sunflower lecithin is a notorious filler. Mm-hmm. Uh, most sun most sunflowers and most legume and seed based stuffs are uh, estrogen. Uh, pro- well, they call testosterone inhibitors. Which basically any vegetable is a is a estrogen binder. Right. Basically any vegetable is any legume that you eat. Basically that's why a lot of people go carnivore. They see it, it's that's another that's another thing altogether. Toxic, Pomegranate fruit powder, beet juice extract <laughs> for color. So uh, it took a village to make this fucking eleven dollar a pound beyond yep. beyond my comprehension of mm-hmm. what the fuck is in these ingredients. Yes. Uh, that was one. And then there was uh, yesterday at CES, which is a expo for nerds. Mm-hmm. We, uh, me, happening to be a super nerd, uh, which is why I have magic cards on my coffee desk. Love it. Uh, is the CNET article by Clifford Colby? Six things you didn't know about the plant-based pork meat substitute. Now, uh, full uh, transgression? No, full disclosure. Mm-hmm. Transgression. I gotta look that up. Full disclosure, uh, in this uh, place right now, we have somebody who is on a high-fat diet, and we have somebody who's on a plant, strictly plant-based diet. Okay, so also full uh, full disclosure, we have a person here who's six feet tall and one person who's six foot five. All right, just thought I'd throw that out there. That's good. So, a lot of fun facts. Okay, here's what here's the here's the thing. In the beginning of these articles, it's all it's all fluff another you porn bullshit in the very beginning sure. where they just kind of like oh they try to make some quirky terrible jokes in the beginning. So I try to blah 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 through it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the whole podcast I run. No, I love uh, it. Let's see. Faux white meat, Impossible Foods. The brand behind last year's Impossible Burger 2.0 craze. Okay, now they call for ground pork. They roll out Impossible Sausage later. <laughs> impossible Sausage. <laughs> That's my nickname in I high school. I know a few NBA players who have Impossible Sausages. Hey. Uh, Beyond Meat are shaking up. Let's see. Rising climate change. Yep, okay, fine. Lima livestock accounts for 14.5. Greenhouse gas emissions, which they're trying to curb that with some type of seaweed that they're going to shove down the cow's throats. Uh, I talked about factory farming actually about last week and I did want to re-up since you're here. There is a thing about when it comes to like factory farming and just farming in general. Number one, do I like the cruelty of animals? Cruelty to animals is how they're treated when they're slaughtered. Okay. I'm not a fan of seeing a fucking pig get kicked in the balls before his head's chopped off and he's bled out. Okay. I'm not a fan of that. If, if some, there is a balance to everything that we do. Okay. That includes if we're digging up lithium batteries to power Tesla cars or if we're pulling fossil fuels out of the ground to power my Mustang. 
Okay, there is a balance. If it's all Tesla, it's not going to be good because the next thing you know, Argentina is not going to have any land to sit on. If we do too much fossil fuel, then that can get us into wars, that can get us into sanctions. Even though we produce much of our own oil nowadays, at the end of the day, it is all about balance. Yes. So if there is a Tesla parked in that driveway next to the Mustang, cool with that. Totally cool with that. Matter yeah. of fact, I propose that they have a cleaner ideal for fuel, like E85 to power that Stang. I'm all for it. Okay. It's all about balance. It's not about what one thing does or another. The fact that we are eventually going to top out at nine million, not excuse me, nine billion people, mm-hmm. and the idea that a lot of the a lot of countries now are not reaching, they're actually losing population. Like China, for example, I think is losing population probably because they kill so many Muslims. The idea also that <laughs> yes, yeah, I fucking said it. They don't listen. To, China doesn't listen to this podcast. Well, they can't listen to this podcast because of the censors. Ooh. Uh, yeah. All right. So they launched it here. Uh, let's see. Are they actually going to say something? Oh, I'm going to say something. Okay. Impossible Foods, its main competitor, Beyond Meat. They're shaking up the technology industry. Do they say anything about actually what it is? Burger. Okay. Launched here at CES, Impossible Burger 2.0 is now available in more than 7,000 Burger King locations. Which that burger uh, pumps out twenty times more estrogen than the actual impossible, the actual Whopper in general. Mm-hmm. Which, if you're eating that, you're fucking, you're just destined to die a horrible, miserable death. I've really stopped eating fast food altogether. Now I have a, t- I have a thought in m- that I want to relay from last week's podcast, and I want to see if you kind of climb on board with okay, it. Okay, okay. Um, the plant-based burger acts like ground beef with similar appearance, texture, and color. We had a chance to try the Impossible Burger in a ver- variety of preparations, like sandwiches and dumplings. Dumplings would be good. Ooh. From the taste to the cost to where to buy it, here's what we do and don't know about the substitute meat. All right, what does it taste like? Probably tastes like pork. Uh, what is it made of? Like the Impossible's, uh, pork is soy, sunflower, coconut oils as, uh, as fat sources, probably refined. The other ingredients contain binders and flavorings, including heme. Oh, I thought they were. I thought that was a Jewish slur for a second. That's <laughs> sorry. That's another one. I'll take. We're one <laughs> word off. One word off. According to Impossible Foods, is the molecule that gives beef that familiar meaty taste and smell when cooked. Uh, modified yeasts, soybean lima, lima so uh, a legume molecular. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, it's an oxygen carrier in legumes. So you don't get all those you don't get all the legume, but you get plenty of gas still. Oh great! Uh, poultry, U.S. meat, and then possible pork, healthier than meat from pigs. They list the caloric intake stuff, which actually doesn't really matter because the protein synthesis, the actual all-around protein that you're versing one or the other is, in many ways, the same, but in in many cases, completely different. Because there was an argument made by that guy who did that uh, impossible documentary on Netflix. Mm-hmm. There, when you get factory meat, yes, it is supplemented by other, like these animals. These factory animals are supplemented, you know, whether it's with antibiotics or Absolutely. with steroids or with B12 or what have you. Mm-hmm. Then again, when you are planting these new, when you're planting like kale in the ground, you're planting plants in the ground. That's supplemented by cow shit, yep. horse shit. So, it is definitely like I said, there's an it, there's an evil twin in all these situations. So these caloric comparisons and protein and carb shit, it doesn't really reach the heart of the actual problem. Now, you have you have your reasons for eating plant-based. Maybe it's you want a cleaner diet. Um, I wouldn't say you're naturally virtue signaling. I wouldn't go and accuse that of you. If I <laughs> if the lead singer of Otep was, sing, was sitting here, I would definitely accuse her of virtue signaling. Fair. Okay. But 
the idea that there are a lot of people that do eat plant-based. Mm-hmm. Now, the guy who's going to be playing the next superhero in the Marvel comic thing, I think he was a vegan or whatnot, but also he's filled full of fucking steroids. Yeah, right. So <laughs> here's the idea. There's a lot of products out there that are plant-based. A lot of my diet is plant-based. Yep. I need fucking kale. Um, in my diet, I need a lot of cruciferous vegetables. The idea that a lot of these vegetables have, um, they are friendly to the uh, the lady in me per se, mm-hmm. and then you offset that with with a carnivorous diet helps me a lot in my workouts, in my dietary lifestyle, and also helps me, to be honest, helps me lose that weight and just be in a better mood. Mm-hmm. Helps my recovery in a lot of ways, and I tried uh, my very best to stay away from the shittiest foods possible. Right. Let's just say, for example, we can we agree that. The vast majority, 90% of fast food companies, the food is bad. It's dog shit. It's not just bad tasting. It's bad for you. Right. What if all of them, since there's shit there and us normal people with common sense don't fucking eat there. When I talk about those companies, I'm talking about like McDonald's, Wendy's, uh, probably not Arby's because that's 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 a little more, we don't, you know, rrr, Mega hat. Right. Um, so the idea that <laughs> we'll, we'll disclude Arby's, but definitely those um, fast foodie joints. Yeah. If they all switched, do you think that'd be a significant benefit to the balance of animal and plant if they all just went with this impossible shit? Because they're serving like shitty food anyways. Shit? Like if they went, like if they went. If they just went, if every single one of their foods just went fucking plant based. For example, yeah. McDonald's, their chicken nuggets, Taco Bell, their meat, Burger King, their their sandwiches. If they all, if it went all impossible shit, mm-hmm. let's just face it, a KFC bucket of chicken is not what it used to be, bro. Oh, no, no. So let's just say they all went completely plant-based. Yeah. Do you think there would be a balance that could be reached with all those shitty companies? Like, think of the amount of, like, for example, the 50-50 beef that you probably get at Taco Bell, 50% of that is actually beef. What are the conditions for the animals that, of the demand that Taco Bell wants? So what instead, I'm assuming that the, like, for example, you can buy eggs that are three ninety nine a dozen, or yep. you can buy the ones that are $1.19. The ones that are $1.19, I wouldn't fucking eat anymore. Right. So you're suggesting that all of these companies, the, the biggest supporters of inhumane uh, like slaughtering practices, you buy, you get what you pay for, essentially. Right, those companies, those, like the McDonald's, yes. the freaking Taco Bells, yes, and, and they, these are the ones that pump the most money into the the horrible epidemic of of animal cruelty. Right, allowing for more proper treatment of animals by the companies and the people who appreciate the product that's being put on the table. So meat is no longer a fast food thing. You you can no longer get. A fast food meat burger. Whether it's not through no, so, not so much through regulation, but just by the mere fact that nobody is going there anymore, right, right, right. because of whatever's in the food. Sure, but at what's the overall? But to get to the end game here, those companies don't even put meat in their food anymore. Perfect. It's all. It's all um, well, so the companies that it's do all this use meat, shit, right, 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 with the the pea protein isolate, yeah. But so now the companies that do use meat are the people who care about the the quality of their meat. They care about the stress hormones. Allen's not Brothers, being there. Uh, 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 the the Steakhouse, Texas Roadhouse, sure, um, Hunters, uh, the the organic meat markets. Those people that actually put quality into the produce and actual. They actually give a fuck about the animals. Yeah, so giving power to farmers rather than slaughterhouses. 
Sure. Or slaughterhouses that actually are owned by humane. Sure. But also decreasing, you're de- you're decreasing the demand by these companies that basically sixty forty their meat, mm-hmm. which is in my opinion welfare meat. <laughs> okay, it sure. is. It's fucking yeah, welfare. Yeah, yeah, no, I got you, you. I got you. Do you think you're gonna find seventy three twenty three in my freezer? I don't think so. So, but the idea of ha- establishing a new standard where if you want to sell your product, any product, it's got to be good. Whether you're selling a single on iTunes or you're selling a London broil mm-hmm. to me, you have to have. It has to be better quality. The only way you're gonna get better quality out of that steak and the is to have a better quality animal, which means that animal has to be treated better. Mm-hmm. Do you think there would be a signif- do you think there would be significant all around better place if those companies we're talking think about it from the amount of food the amount of animal product that gets sent to Hannaford's or or Kroger's mm-hmm. or uh Food Lion or Publix sure compared to the amount of food that gets pumped to McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, Taco Bell, KFC mm-hmm. Do you think it would be a drastically different Overall environment, if those companies strictly just went along their way to feeding shitty food, shitty food to shitty people like they've already been doing. Yes. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think I think as long as as long as it's not like super heavy soy based because soy farming is gonna destroy the rainforest. But uh, another th- oh another topic there. And first of all, no matter what you do, soy is like the ultimate perpetrator. But the thing is, soy is pretty much in a lot of those products, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing on top of that is soy. Ninety percent of the soy products are owned by Monsanto. We all, I've already gone down this rant. We all know who Monsanto is. Mm-hmm. They they make all the pesticides and all that shit. And another thing for uh, anytime there is a field of plants, it has to be protected. It, first of all, it has to be cultivated, which means the animals go bye bye if they're in that. Means those tillers, those giant fucking nightmare looking tillers from Terminator, mm-hmm. they come rolling there and then they chew up all the rabbits and shit. And then the pesticides got to be killed, go over there and kill all those fucking animals. Right. So there is a, but the balance of, first of all, I would rather have a local farmer be doing the slaughtering than a company like Monsanto. Hell yeah. And another, and, also, another just to throw this in there as a topic, or just as a note, an educational note, you can't just have the same uh, product, the same plant being grown every single year. You have to till that soil to something new, or eventually the soil dries up. Yeah, I have to do like nutrient rotation. Right. Um, I think there were. T- I think that was an issue in Cuba with the cigars. That's exactly what happened. Yeah, because they didn't. The all of the like irrigation and and um, rotation techniques kind of like went with all of the master growers who yeah. left Cuba. So. Do you think a company like Monsanto, if we got rid of the soybeans, because if if they, a perfect, a good thought would be if we, if all the fast food companies went to making these shit products, to, they already make shit products for people who eat shitty food. So fuck it, let it. Free country, let them eat shitty food. Who cares? Um, I don't know how that would affect my, a company like Monsanto. I'm assuming they have corporate lobbying, and I'm assuming they have control of certain things. But the idea of trying to get this these soy products out of the food that I eat, mm-hmm. because I here's the thing: when I go and buy food, I'm not concerned about just what's on this label. I'm concerned about the shit that I can't see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. Well, that's I mean, and I'm willing to go the extra mile and the extra dollar. I'm willing to do that if that means my product is better, and if my product is better, guarantee fucking tea that your products can be better too. Right. 
So I'm think I'm thinking that would be an interesting approach if they want to go this route. Let them go that route. Hundred percent. And w- as far as Monsanto, they're eventually going to get sued into the ground or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. But the so the whole thing about soy, my biggest concern with uh, fully going plant based is the idea of your ep- uh, epigenetic my concerns, not conclusions, mm-hmm. just concerns. Sure. The epigenetics of how is that going to get translated down the road to the new breed of humans that are coming up? Who controls that food? The same thing with lab-grown meat. I'm open, but I am open to the idea of lab-grown meat. Who controls it? What companies are selling it? What does this mean down the line? What are they putting in the food? What are they putting in my food now that I don't know about? And then also the fact that, yeah, over overall, who, yeah, who is controlling this food? Who's monopolizing when I go to the grocery store the shit that I buy? That it concerns me every time that I that I walk into the grocery store and the food that I pick out mm-hmm. and trying to stay away from the middle there because I number one no do I I don't want to be supporting um, shitty beef jerky companies mm-hmm. I don't want to be supporting uh, companies that make shitty eggs and stuff like that I want to go the extra mile to push that demand of saying hey we want better quality product yeah well that's i mean now we're going back full circle to like my life goal which is just growing all of my own food because i want to be in control right i want 100 percent to be in control of what goes into my body i want to know exactly where it came from what went into growing it i that's exactly what i want to know so your idea not so your idea of the reason you went plant-based i'm just i'm jumping to you i'm i'm what is it called uh forwarding the wit not forwarding the witness Leading the witness, mm-hmm. um, even though you're not on trial. The idea of you going out, if you're not relying on factory farming or any farming, yep. if you want to tend to your own sheep, you tend to your own sheep. Yep. If you want to plant your own garden, your own tomatoes, your own garlic, you do it yourself. Yep. You just don't want to rely on anybody. Yeah. To I just want to rely sh- on the earth and myself. Okay. Do you have a, a timeline, an idea for when you want to do that? When it happens, it happens. I'm going to keep working towards it until I can afford to do it, and then I'll eventually just find a plot in Maine and call it a day. Yeah, something like that. I mean, because you literally could get go get yourself satellite internet and make your music and do all that shit nowadays. Yeah, and you could still be a part of society while being away from it. Yep. And I totally get that. I totally under, understand. Of even though I mean, even though we're up here on the second floor, the idea that it's just us here mm-hmm. on this second floor. In this spare part studio, not worrying about a fucking thing other right. than uh, the fact that we're in the middle of a town that has some issues of its own. Sure. But the idea of not having too many concerns about what's going on around you, being in control of everything that you do, the responsibility of your own life is completely your own and nobody else's. Mm-hmm. And it almost makes, does it make you uncomfortable having to rely on other people? Absolutely. Uh, it makes makes you it gives you anxiety doesn't it yeah it takes away any any kind of like sensible or reasonable control that i want to have you know not that controlling everything is is a need it's just like you want to control certain facets of your life and and having that completely relinquished from you is yeah absolutely anxiety riddling okay what would you say to i would say to the people um who are on the carnivore side, not the the balance people. I'll say to the people on the carnivore side, do your thing. Just shut up and do your thing. Mm-hmm. Eat your food. If you want to hunt, hunt. Sure. Go ahead, live your diet. It's like anything else. It's like being religious. Don't virtue, don't signal it. There is something about that that makes me uncomfortable, like praying in public. 
I don't even want to see you pray in public. It's, it, to me, it's 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 uncomfortable. To me, you're putting out a message that you don't necessarily need to be putting out. Sure. You need to live your life the way you want to live it as long as you are not bothering anybody else with your bullshit. Mm-hmm. The idea to vegans in general or people who are heavy on the plant-based side, vegans, vegetarians, mm-hmm. I would say to them, and I want to get your idea of what you want to say to them, you do what you do. Do what you want to do. Don't press it upon others because your diet and your lifestyle and your immune system and your gut biome is completely your your own to control. Absolutely. Now, that and that's where I'd want to leave it. I don't want to be like get off my lawn type of guy because generally I can ignore most of the shit that's out there because there is so much, I mean, sorry vegans, bullshit out there. True. That's actually, that's, true. A, that's an old quote. The grass is always greener on the other side because it's, it's fertilized and bullshit. <laughs> that's true. So- I I cannot stress enough. I go I I before I I want you to have a final say on this on this yeah, what yeah, you would yeah. say to them. Find your passion, find the things that you want to do, the way you want to treat the way you want to treat your body, the way you want to treat your dreams, your meaning, the your own pursuit as your own individual pursuit and nobody else's. Mm-hmm. If they want to jump on the fan train and roll with you, then be open, suspicious but open to them joining in with you. Otherwise, you'll be more nomadic than you anticipate, and it'll actually hinder your progression as an artist, as a comedian, um, as a podcaster, as and some or a carpenter. Doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. You'll have your moments of solitude when you're completely by yourself. And if you want to be one of the other, if you want to be a carnivore because you have a severe autoimmune disorder, and this is what you can survive on, which is you know sick, um, intermittent fasting with you know fat fucking ribeyes, or if you're plant based because for whatever reason. Like my mother is, she's actually got, she's not like the fake gluten free. She's actually got that sciatic shit. Not mm-hmm. sciatic. That's fucking nerve. That's celiac. what I have. She's um, celiac. celiac yeah. Thank you. So she has that. She's so she eats that, you know, that fucking pasta, whatever, Yep. but it's fine. And she can, she can still, it's great because it allows the market to innovate. It's like, wait a minute. We don't have to fill this fucking, this, these, this noodle roni with uh, Wonder Bread type pasta, which is filled with so much gluten, it's toxic for your stomach. Right. We can actually innovate, make it just as good as an al dente as a regular serving of penne. Sure. But it innovates the market to where she can still eat that stuff that caters to her. Yeah. I'm cool with that. Innovation is fucking sweet. But what would you say to the, the ones that are the triggering vegans? Do you have a thought to them as far as how to, just in general, if you had a word to say to them, if they were to, because at the end of the day, they could damage the go- your goal of the of the dream that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, living in a not living in a van down by the river, but living <laughs> in a fucking living in a yeah. tiny house down by the stream. Yeah, what would sure. you say to them? I mean, honestly, pushing pushing your ideas on somebody else without them asking for it. Like these these unsolicited ideas of meat is murder and and you know attacking other people because of their diet it's it's not it's not the right way to go about it. I give people advice when they ask for it. Mm-hmm. So or or like there are a couple scenarios where I will talk about my diet and why my diet is what it is. And one of them is when somebody directly asks me, "Yeah, hey." What is it? I know you're a vegan. What is it like? How do you do it? Um, where do you get your protein from? That's where do you get your protein, bro? Uh, that's that's like the it's number one. It. It's like the most annoying thing. I know it, it's 
they have to understand protein synthesis. They have to understand glucogenesis when you eat too much protein. Mm -hmm. The idea of actually getting a complete profile, uh, hemp versus pea, pea versus soy, Mm -hmm. soy versus poultry, poultry versus red meat, red meat versus pork. And that is that is another thing where you have to learn your own body. You have to learn the difference, when to eat them, how long they take to digest in your gut, mm-hmm. your gut biome in general, how you mix and match them. The fact that protein is not and should never be considered an energy source. No, God no. That's another thing because they don't understand when you're when these when they take into about all you eat is meat. Yeah, but that's not the energy source. The energy source comes from the amount of fat on that meat. Mm-hmm. The energy source from uh, from a vegan comes from a lot of the supplementation that they take and the carbs because there are more carbs when you eat like plant-based product when you eat like legumes Mm -hmm. you eat legumes there's a lot of carbohydrates in those legumes and depending upon the color of your vegetables that means there's more sugar in those vegetables which means you can get energy from those because sugar is a carb carb is a sugar right simple sugar so it changes your so it changes your uh your glucose profile dramatically Mm -hmm. you follow that you're going to be okay my biggest concern is will always be um what was it yeah the estrogen profile sure okay because i don't i don't want to disrupt my natural epigenetics because of that my natural epigenetics my genetics my diet the e and i get it the ease of the convenience of having a meat-based diet believe me it's there okay it's real fucking easy yeah but i'm okay with uh, searching for better product and paying a little bit more if it means the... Qu- because if I'm paying for more quality, I'm o- the only benefactor is me. Mm-hmm. I'm paying for a better quality of food. I'm going to have a better quality body. Sure. And we all know that I'm a fucking lunatic when it comes to <laughs> nutrition and shit like that. No, that's fair. Um, I've even talked about my eating disorder. It's not even like... An, it is an eating disorder because it's like... I, there's plenty of food. There's always going to be food. I can go right down to the store. I'm constantly in Hannaford's. I'm constantly fucking eating. Mm-hmm. But then there's like, I'm at somebody else's house and I see all these and I know they got junk food in there. And then just next thing you know, you're dipping fucking, you're dipping mints and peanut butter and you're just going <laughs> out of control. <laughs> yeah. uh, do you think, here's a here's a, a one, one final thought. Do you think that the people that are on the shitty vegan diet can turn around and start getting on a better diet overall, whether it is plant-based or uh, balanced-based? Absolutely. I mean, like, if you're going full plant-based and you're eating shitty, I mean, you're kind of defeating the purpose. Um, But the way I see, like... Well, processed-based versus plant-based. I think there should be a definitive marker between the two. For sure. Well, the way that I see, like, the Impossible Burger, right? These these, um, plant-based... plant-based meats and plant-based cheeses and stuff right the way that i see that is like it's an every now and then kind of thing yeah um i don't i certainly wouldn't eat a cheeseburger every day Mm -hmm. so like why would you consider eating an impossible whopper every day that's not that's not how you actually get good nutrients that's not how you treat your body right you know i eat a lot of fresh vegetables yeah um and i cook them in a bazillion different ways and i am happy and content with that if i go to a barbecue and somebody is like making burgers, sure, I'll go to the store and I'll pick up a couple of uh, plant-based burgers so I can fit in. Because mm-hmm. most of the most of like the veggie burgers out there that you can get at the the store, unless you're like making the patties yourself, they they, they blow. <laughs> I haven't found a good one. Uh, but you're trying to make it as as incon. You're trying to make it as convenient as possible. Trying to like listen. I don't want to, you know. Yep. Okay. Exactly. Um, we are at 
actually on the on the on the Nixon watch here, we're at five oh five. I don't know if you wanted to finish up with one Q and A. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so we'll finish up with one Q and A, and then I'll get you out of here because us dreamers, we all got to schedule to keep. <laughs> all right, let's see. I got one good one here. Um, I probably do. Uh, Washington Post. Let's get away with uh, flipping off our debt. Okay, let's fucking. All right, let's just let's just play with this one because it's right here. All right, dig Q and A. Should my sister forgive her mother-in-law for flipping off our dad at her wedding? My si- <laughs> All right. My sister was married recently. At the reception, her new mother-in-law was seen by multiple guests gesturing with her two middle fingers while the father of the bride was giving his toast. It was a very formal event, and it was shocking to see an adult act like this. Our family feels embarrassed and insulted because we hosted the wedding, but our biggest concern is how can the bride move forward? When the groom politely approached his mom about a week after the wedding, she refused to acknowledge it, insisting it was an inside joke, and then gave him a long list of complaints about our family. I suppose there were justifications for her behavior. She refuses to apologize. I feel she should extend an olive branch and apologize to my sister and our parents, but at the very least, make amends with her new daughter-in-law. It it upsets me that she doesn't care about building a good relationship with my sister. My sister was brought up to take responsibility for her actions. It's hard for her to move on when her mother-in-law refuses to speak of it. Should she really just act like nothing happened? Ooh, all right, this is delicious. This is, this is what pisses me <laughs> off about fucking people at weddings. It's too. This is all about two people. Mm-hmm. It should be. Ne- there should never be any mention about anything. Any of the people, the extended family in the crowd, <laughs> never. And when you go and do something like that, it only justifies. It's selfish. Uh, uh, what do they call them? Destination weddings or getting drunk and yeah, linking yeah, yeah, up yeah, in yeah. Vegas. Mm-hmm. So now the question was: Should she apologize for flipping off? Another family member at a wedding. Uh, yeah, I'm so fucking. <laughs> is that a, is that like a real question? Yeah, absolutely, that's a real question posed Jesus by a real person with apparently real problems. Oh my god, Hachi Machi. Yes, absolutely. You need to apologize. Yeah, I I'm I'm, assem- I'm assuming that um, this is very. I'm assuming that one f- part of the family w- probably isn't on the same, I guess, pay scale overall. <laughs> okay. I think we got maybe some trailer park boy situation gotcha, going gotcha, on. Gotcha, he gotcha, married. Okay, the sister. Let's see. My sister was married recently at the mother, her new mother-in-law. Okay, so I think it was the 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 the, the guy, okay. the guy's mother mm-hmm. was being a bitch. Okay. Apparently, okay. so apparently she married down. Okay, all right. Um, so I give that marriage first of all two years. The idea that <laughs> it's an inside joke, I don't buy it for a second. No, no, not you at don't all. flip people off at a wedding, especially yeah. if there's a videographer. Uh, yeah. No, you need to burn all the footage, and they need to get a divorce. Um. Well, I don't know if they need to get a. Well, I don't know if they <laughs> need to get. It's over. The marriage is ruined now. <laughs> I don't know if they need to get a divorce, but I think definitely. I always insist on if the if the family is that shitty, uh-huh. just don't just don't even fucking talk to them. Don't include them in your life. Get rid of them altogether. Mm-hmm. Pull a pull pull a royal wedding. Don't invite your family at all. Perfect. Just completely cut ties with them. I think even when it comes to family, if there's shitty people in your life, especially when they refuse to apologize and not be the bigger lady, which I'm assuming she already is quite the tundra, the <laughs> idea that um, she needs to apologize, I think at this point you just need to cut, cut them out of your life. Why would you even want to go and insist and waste your energy on something that ridiculous? 
These people exist. I can't. I, I can believe it. I do believe it. I know people like this exist. It's yes. just, it hurts me to this think This is a real about... situation there, Neil Patrick Harris. You need to fucking, mm. you need to understand <laughs> that these people are so fucking retarded that they would actually flip off another family member at a wedding and then lie about being in it. It's an inside joke. That means, that means, oh, it's an inside joke. You need to get over it. No, you need to fuck off. Yeah, you need to, you need to like have a little bit of dignity and respect. Yeah, maybe. that's obviously not going to happen. I wish you all the best with your sister, and um, oh, I hope he signed up. I hope she, apparently, I think, actually, I think in this situation, she's the one who makes more money, so I hope she signed a prenup. Yeah, that's fair. Oh, that's right. The guy never gets the money in the divorce. That's okay. <laughs> uh, Michael Wingate CV, plug all your dates, plug all your stuff, find, tell them where you can find you on iTunes, Stitcher, oh, yeah. Google Play Music, wherever your information is. Yeah, you can You can find me, uh, um, my artist name is Michael Wingate, you can find me uh, anywhere on any streaming service, anywhere you can buy music, uh, you can also find my band Slack Tide um, at all the same locations, um, yeah, that's about it, uh, you can follow me on Instagram, wingate.music. Wingate.music, alright, um... We're coming up on one hour and 14 minutes on this Sunday leftover. Well, Sunday. Uh, you can find <laughs> If you want to support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Go and check out my posing music on, uh, well, my website, positivesarcasm.com. Where the fuck else would you find it? You can also find me on YouTube uh, at Positive Sarcasm or Positive Sarcasm Podcast. You can see the clips that I upload um, every couple days, actually, on the Instagram, at positive underscore sarcasm. You can also be my friend on Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm and Facebook.com slash P-O-S sarcasm. Uh, you can't find me on Twitter because I had a problem and I had to make it go away. Um, <laughs> if you guys have questions, comments, concerns, you can uh, follow me. Uh, you can email me at positivesarcasm at outlook.com. Follow me on all the social medias that I claim to be on. You can also follow me on ThinkSpot, which just opened up to the beta users. But until then, you can find me on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, every fucking podcast network. I'm on it. So no excuses. But until then, thank you to Michael Wingate CV for stopping by the Spare Part Studios. Until then, streaming live twice a week. I will talk to you guys in a few days. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. After all these years, I found the one. Lord knows there's a love I can't hide. Got my feet in the sand. Got a beer in my hand And the one that I love by my side We've seen thunder, we've seen rain We've been cold, we felt pain What we share, it can shine through the dark with a couple cats and dogs and bats An elephant or two Won't you sail out with me on this Won't you come sail with me Through the uncharted sea Will you hold me, help me through for a lifetime or two? Tonight, won't you sail out with me? Ooh, 
from the man I was before. New outlook on a life, love, and time. Nothing scares me, not for long. No one else can do me wrong. As long as I'm holding your hand in mine. Won't you come sail with me? You hold me, help me through for a lifetime or two. Tonight, won't you sail out with me? Tonight, won't you sail out with me? To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.